listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Thanks, brother. I'm ready to go punch the devil in the face or something. Let's go. Like, I'm getting getting excited up here. Y'all better watch out. Um, Hey, I was was thinking about something. We uh, didn't do this as clear of an an introduction, but... um, Man, I want to I want to brag on our uh, Journey staff uh, tonight a little bit. Um, you guys know uh, Katie Richie. You now become Katie Harden. Uh, she's uh, our Journey uh, coordinator. She's doing doing a great job. Um, and uh, Jace Higgins and Andrea Martinez. They came back for a second year as residents. Doing doing awesome. So glad uh, to have them here. And uh, Julius Iracozzi over here is new this year and uh, doing doing a great job. I, uh, you can clap for them, I guess. I think I heard one solo clap. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and uh, full disclosure, one of them, for the purpose of introduction, is about to be thrown under the bus, rolled over, backed over, rolled over again. But it's going to be purposeful, I promise. It'll, be, it'll hopefully be funny. But uh, I asked Julius permission uh, to share something about him. There's so many good things, but there, there are some, some funny things, like we all have some quirks. Um, so the first time I ever met Julius for lunch... Um, I said, it's your pick. And, uh, you know, it kind of, we kind of went back and forth. No, really, man, I want to treat you. And, and he decided he wanted to go to Whataburger. I was like, all right, let's, let's go. Let's do Whataburger. And yeah, I, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I, uh, he, he ordered um, a patty melt, no onions, uh, Sprite, no ice. I was like, cool, man, that's, that's good. He's just trying something new today. You know, I realized next time that I was aware that he went to Whataburger, he went up and he ordered uh, patty melt, no onions, Sprite, no ice. Um, and then eventually, as I talked to him more, I learned that he worked at Whataburger a few years ago. And I think just about every day, every time he ate during his shift, he would order a patty melt, no onions, Sprite, no ice. Is that right? <laughs> and so um, o- over time, I began to just see like, uh, Julius is actually really picky. He doesn't like a lot of different things, but what he does like, he loves. Like, he embraces it. They're almost his ex- exclusive heart's desire, okay? And, um, you know, that was all fine and good. I'm like, that's just something quirky Julius does. But then I think he's getting into some heretical areas because uh, on Sunday night after 2819, or before 2819, he wrote on the whiteboard in that classroom that God is actually going to be giving us patty melts, no onions, with bright, no ice in heaven. Um, and so he believes that that is the heavenly food. And so if he sees you eating something else and looks at you strangely or judgmentally, you know why. He assumes that you're, you're not accepting the food that God gives, the true, the true bread, so to speak. Um, he did not like my illustration a few weeks ago about the bread of life. He thought I should have done the patty melt of life. And I said, sorry, man, it's not what it says in the text. Um, but anyway, brother, I, I love you. Thank you for, for letting me share that. Yeah, y'all give it up for Julius for taking the, taking the role. <laughs> Under the bus he goes. Um, but no, um, what, I, what I love about that is, is Julius has a claim of exclusivity. No, like this is the only thing worth getting at Whataburger. This is, I'm gonna get it every time. And in the modern era, like maybe that word exclusivity doesn't ring in your ears the way that I'm hoping it will. But what that means is you're just saying, this is it. This is the only way. So for example, let's say that I said, Gold Stripe is the only place to get good coffee in Lubbock. Fight me, prove me wrong. Let's go right now. You know what I mean? And so I'm actually a terrible fighter. Most of you can probably win, just letting you know. But anyway, so... That would be making an exclusive claim, all right, and saying only this 
is good. Only through this will you have your taste buds satisfied or whatever. And so what's interesting is I don't know if you've caught it, but Jesus likes exclusivity. He likes to make a lot of exclusive claims. Like the first week, I am the great I am. Like, he's like, I'm, I'm it. Like, I'm your creator. I'm the eternal one. Ultimately, it's all about me. I don't share um, my reign with anyone else. I don't uh, pretend like there's other gods that are equal to me. No, I am it. Then we go on to the bread of life. And he didn't say like, oh, there are multiple types of bread. There's Italian, wheat, all that stuff like that. You can just take your pick. It's all bread, right? No, he doesn't say that. He says, I am the bread of life. He makes it exclusive. Then we talked about him being the light of the world. And he didn't pretend as if, like, yeah, there are kind of multiple flashlights. You just kind of turn on whichever one you want. Like there's multiple different lights. No, no, He says, I am the light of the world. He doesn't want you to operate as if there's anything other than him. He, he claims, he says, I am exclusive. And then tonight, he's going to say that he is the door. And there's a lot to unpack there. But what I want you to do, I think a healthy frame of thought, we, I think you would agree with this. If you wanna know what Christianity really is, if you wanna know who Jesus really is, you should read his book, Right? like nodding heads. And so what we want to do, if we wanna interact with true Christianity, we need to interact with Jesus on his basis. We need to know what he's saying about himself. And what Jesus is saying is that he is exclusive. Any other Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible, and it's his book, right? He gets to say who he is. Is that fair? I'll track it. So as we go into this, Jesus is the door. That's an exclusive claim a healthy, good first question, the question we're just gonna to camp out on tonight is, why do we need Jesus to be our door? Like, all of you walked in through those doors just fine. Like, what a strange metaphor. Like, you've been opening doors since you're about one and a half, probably, uh, against your parents' will. So what, you know, what's going on? Why do we need Jesus to be our door? Let's turn to John chapter 10 tonight, starting in verse one. John chapter 10. And I think we're gonna get a really good answer to this question. <clears throat> Let me caveat this real quick. So tonight is saying, Jesus is saying, I am the door. Next week we're talking about him being the good shepherd. I will admit to you, he does not talk about the door a lot and what that means. This is mainly about shepherding. So I just want you to, if you're thinking that already, you're in a good spot. We're gonna get there next week. But verses one through 10, this week and next week will overlap. Starting verse one, he says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. That's like religious for stranger danger. <laughs> All right, verse six. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. 
If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So we're seeing a really interesting text. We're gonna explain here in a minute what kind of provoked this teaching, this conversation, this I am statement again, but just for the reference, like I know that all of us are familiar, like Jesus isn't talking about real sheep, like bad, like we're not talking about sheep, right? He's talking about his followers, speaking metaphorically about people following him, even in the Old Testament, the Bible's divided in the Old and New Testament, uh, forever God has related to his people as him being a loving shepherd for the flock and us, his people, being their sheep. And so back to this question, why do we need Jesus to be our door? It's because first, Jesus's door offers protection from anyone or anything that steals joy and kills Life. I want you to, to notice that he is recognizing that through the door into these pastures that he's referring to, that there are thieves and robbers in there. In other words, people that he says are stealing, killing, and destroying. And so there's a lot of ways you can take this. I think just a grand kind of overarching view, it's generally he may be talking about the, the church or the kingdom and that there may be some people that are not really his sheep that are saying that they are sheep or they didn't go in through Jesus. In other words, like in church, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do. There are Christians and non-Christians. There are people that say they're the real deal and and they're, they're not. Specifically, though, if you want to really nail in what he's talking about, when he says thieves and all that stuff like that, he is talking about the religious leaders of Israel. And here's why. Back in chapter 9, what happened was that Jesus healed a blind man on the day that the Jews hated for him to heal, which was what? <laughs> The Sabbath, like, man, Jesus loved the hill on the Sabbath, right? And so instead of seeing this blind man and be like, literally, oh my God, right? Like, you, you, we just saw you the other day, like, you're blind, now you see, and like, being thankful, what do they fixate on? Like, all the wrong things, like, oh, who did this on the Sabbath, like, blah, 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 like, they're like the good church people, like, we, we get new chairs, but then there's somebody like, okay, well, where'd we buy them? I want the other color. Like, they're, they're missing the point, Right? This guy was healed. They're focusing on, hey, okay, wait, who, who did this? Where did, uh, let's go get the guy's parents. So they, they get the, the people that saw it. They end up getting his parents in on it, like his parents. And what they're having is a trial. <laughs> like, we gotta figure out how this happened, why it happened. And eventually this guy, this blind man, starts speaking back to him. You can see it picks up in chapter nine, verse 30. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. You're talking about Jesus. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. He speaks the truth to them, and what do these, what do these guys do who Jesus calls thieves and robbers, or you can call them wolves if you want to? They cast him out. Should have been celebrating with him about all that happened, but they condemned him instead, all right? And so what's happening is that rather than protecting the sheep, they were harming the sheep. And Jesus calls it out. This is generally for religious church leaders. I think this is also that could apply to people that are saying that they're in the church. And so here we go. Let me kind of elaborate on this. So I, I'm gonna reference the, the game Saturday, thankfully Tech won. But I think one of the reasons 
that Stephen F. Austin played us so close is because we let our guard down. We kind of underestimated the reality that the enemy was coming into our territory to destroy, to take the life out of, to suck the life out of our season's hope. You tracking with me? And so what began to happen because of that? Well, we got caught off guard. We didn't have our doors locked, so to speak. And because of that, our offense and defense took a hit, right? Received sort of damages that they shouldn't have had to do that wasn't necessary if they would have taken the enemy more seriously. See, there was an opposing force that was coming at the door, so to speak, and we had our guard down. So their joy was almost stolen in the life of the season ended. Y'all tracking with that? Thankfully we won, good. Let's be more intentional next week. All right, let's go guys. So anyway, in a similar way, but perfectly though, guys, Jesus does not let his guard down for his church, his sheep. He, he takes very seriously that the people that are in leadership over the church, the people that are within it, are those that have entered by him, that they're those that, that know him. And what eventually happens is that, that Jesus is very passionate about calling out those who are actually pretending that they're in the light, but they're in darkness, kind of like what we talked about last week. And so let, let me speak to this more, because what, what, you're, what you're hearing is me saying, Jesus speaks to this. Jesus comes in, he, he protects the church, he protects his sheep, and he, he's standing at the door. He is the door. You're hearing that, I hope. But you're like, I walked in through a over there, and, and Jesus wasn't there, Right? Like, where, where is this Jesus? Where is he in fulfilling this promise? So let's talk about it. The way that Jesus does this in the modern era is through pastors, through what is called under shepherds. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a privilege and a blessing because so much of pastoring is just caring for the sheep. It's having coffee, lunch, it's talking after Tuesday night gathering, it's praying for someone's dad, it's, it's um helping you, counsel you through a broken relationship or uh, advising against certain relationships, all those things. It's, it's, it's having fun, it's living life together. So much of it is that, but a tiny part of it and part of being any, any pastor that's faithful to the word and, and every pastor that you know here is guarding the flock as an under-shepherd. Not only from dangerous or so-called dangerous people, but also dangerous doctrine. So when someone comes in and teaches a works-based salvation, you can be saved by working as hard as you can and God has a plan for you. If you just pray hard enough, you'll, you'll get it. If you just, you, you, you name what you want and God will give it to you. So stuff like that, that that's where pastors under shepherds step in. That's dangerous teaching. That's, that's teaching that steals life, it, it kills and it destroys. And then even in our church, we have men designated and assigned to be in places as, as guardians of the sheep almost as physical protectors. And so I wanted to touch on that just so you know. And so guys, Jesus's door offers protection from anyone or anything that steals joy and kills life. He utilizes under shepherds, pastors primarily to do that. And so what you should see in your pastors is a shepherding love, an immense care for the sheep and the flock. All right, let's go on to verse nine in chapter 10. I go back to, I want you to see this real quick. Verse nine, it says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So why, why do we need Jesus to be the door? Second, Jesus' door is the only door that opens to 
heaven, okay? This language here, when he talks about going out into pasture, any of you ever been in a pasture ever, and you've seen sheep going out into clear pasture? Maybe cattle, anybody? And we have no one here that gets these references. Okay, we've got, we got a few people. All right, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a wonderful thing. You see just roaming freely on the range. It is basically heaven for livestock, all right, when you see them going out into pasture. And that's what he's ultimately referencing. He's, he's saying, I am the door to heaven. That pasture is like Psalm 23. He says in Psalm 23, he's gonna, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You, you hear it again? Jesus is claiming, I'm exclusive. I'm, I'm the only door. Now, I have a confession for you guys. There, there are lots of doors in this church. Y'all, y'all, y'all know that, right? Have you been around here? Connect group leaders, some of you are still going to the wrong room. We just let it fly. All right, it's fine. We let you do it. But there, there are lots of rooms in here. There are lots of doors. And I have a confession for you. Sunday night, we were meeting for discipleship over there. And this young married couple came up to me looking for a class. All right, and they said, we're looking for 1101. <laughs> and I did try to ask, but the person who I asked didn't know and guys, I told them, yeah, 1101's upstairs, just upstairs. Guys, 1101 is not upstairs, all right? 1101 is around the corner over there. And so if you see a young married couple walking outside tonight, like they're probably still looking for the class, all right? And so I, I feel bad, I'm just confessing that to you, but, but here's what I think happened. I think what they did is they went upstairs, the exact opposite place where they should have gone, all right? Uh, Susan, you can tell on me if you want for that. Um, anyway, but I think what they did is they went to probably 1201 and 1202 and 1203, and they walked all around. They went through that door and like, eh, that's not what we're looking for, right? That's a knitting class. We're not here for that. You know what I mean? And they, they walked through this door, and it was like, uh, no, we don't, we don't need that. We're not grandparents yet. And they walked through, walked through another door. It was like, no, no, these are for like young kids. And they just kept walking through all these rooms. I need to actually find out what happened to them. You know what I mean? That's probably be good. But anyway, I imagine, and I hope that they finally found the right door. But very similarly, I think that we can do that in our lives, especially those who've never come to Jesus and believed in him. And even for us that have been following him, what we can do is we can spend a lot of our time convinced that we're gonna, let's, let's enter through the door. Let's just see what's behind that door of career path. But okay, mm, let's just step in this room for a little bit. And then you're like, eh, not satisfied, step back out. Man, let me, let me just worship and idolize the door of said relationship. They're, they're not a believer. They don't give a crud about Jesus if I follow him or not. But let's see what this relationship can offer me. And they're just gonna stand in that room for a little bit like, eh, no. And you just name it. Walk through the door of money. Walk through the, the, the door of success. And we can spend all of our time doing this. And you know what? There's some beautiful simplicity in what Jesus says. And he says, I'm the, I'm the only door, <laughs> Everything you're looking for, your heart's desires, it's only gonna be through my door. He says, I am the, the door to heaven. How your heart beats and, and longs for, for joy, satisfaction, that's through my door. And so you, you can experience the goodness of heaven, the best life has to offer by entering through the door of Jesus. A famous saint once said that our hearts are restless until they find the rest and Jesus in him. And so why, why do we need Jesus to be the door? Well, with him being the door, it guards and protects the sheep. His, his door is the only door that opens to heaven. And none of this should be mind-blowing if you've read the Bible for quite a while. But let's go back to verse 9 in chapter 10. I want to read it again. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find Pasture. So why do we need Jesus to be our door? Lastly, what we're gonna talk about tonight is Jesus' door opens to just some people. 
No, that's not right. Jesus's door opens to everyone who believes in him. Okay, so let's expand on that. So you knock on a door, friend's house, like they don't have to answer. They, they probably will. You knock on a door. Anyone, anyone done door-to-door evangelism before? Guys, y'all are dead as nails tonight. All right, you've, a lot of people have. You open the door, you knock. You don't know if there's gonna be an answer, right? If they know what you're there for, they ain't answering that door probably, right? You're not sure. I know that we don't knock on doors a lot. We text first and then the expectation is the door's supposed to be open, okay? But follow with me here. So when we knock on the door, what Jesus is talking about, the answer is, come on in. There's, there's plenty of room. Oh, you, you see in me that I'm the only door to go through? That's what you're acknowledging? You believe in me? That's what that knock meant? Okay, come, come on in. There's receptivity guaranteed from Jesus. All right, and here, here's what's amazing. Like, he's the master of the house. Like, he, he could decide not to open it. If there's actually anyone that, in this metaphorical language, that could say, no, I'm not gonna let him in, it's actually Jesus. He is the most righteous. He's the one that could say, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not gonna let you in. And he's the one that's so generous and gracious to let us in if we come to him and knock on the door. And so what's amazing, friends, is there are people from all language, languages, all nations, all cultures, time periods of history, rich or poor, religious or irreligious, who have in the past and are now and will in the future knock upon the door of Jesus and he will gladly let anyone in who's come to him in faith. Like, is that an amazing promise? There's no one in your life like that that has that type of generosity and receptivity to you. Everyone in your life gets tired of you eventually, right? Get married, that'll teach you, like, you'll learn. I'm learning, like, I cannot be a fun person to be around. Like, I imagine, so, if I didn't have a key to our door at our house sometimes, I bet I could knock on the door and Caitlin's like, I'm gonna leave him out here tonight, right? Guys, this is amazing. I'm not just some random guy, like, oh, I'll go hang out with, no, no. This is Jesus. So we don't have to wonder about that. You know, I was thinking about my, my freshman year, my, my room became, like, if you're nice and generous and you have lots of good food in your room, like, the word just spreads, all right? And I hate that because I'm not a good sharer, all right? Especially not food. You can tell, yeah, I, don't, I like sharing food. All right, and so what happened is that on my hall, our door became basically a, a functional revolving door. It's like everybody was like, I'm just gonna come on in. Like, there'd be so many times after class, people that I did not invite over or even asked to come over were like sitting on my futon playing Call of Duty. And I'd be like, well, how did you get in here? He's like, I just came in, you know, all right? And so we got a reputation, me and my roommate, of just like, yeah, they just let us come in. Like, 10, 15 guys sometimes, like in this tiny little room. And I don't know how that happened. And honestly, it was a little bit annoying, all right? And I, I think about, I was talking with uh, Seth Cummings earlier today, and I, I picture their, their house in kind of a, a similar way. He was telling me that sometimes that him and Dalton, one of his roommates, they just in, invite maybe a hodgepodge of different people, and they love to see different people hanging out and getting together and probably eating their food, probably playing their video, video games or whatever it may be. And like, actually, kind of, flip the script. I, I love that picture. I love that picture of hospitality and the fact that people are coming to their door and they're letting them in because I actually think, like, I'm gonna brag for them. That's an amazing picture of Jesus. 
a hodgepodge of different types of people from all different backgrounds who probably wouldn't be friends otherwise unless they had unity in Christ coming together through the same door and the same pasture, so to speak. I know your age and my age is still pretty young. We don't think about heaven a lot, but guys, you're gonna be blown away. Revelation scene is God being worshiped in every different language. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be amazing. How? All these different people from all these different places, how'd they come into one place? Because there's one door. There's one door everyone has to enter. That's Jesus. So I, I think in our modern world, it's difficult to hear about the, the concept of Jesus or any religious figure, so to speak, kind of guarding the door in the sense of, hey, there's a filter for you to just come. It's not just like, let's go. Like, he's saying there, there is a condition. You have to go through me. You have to believe in me. I, like, I let you in if you knock on the door in and, and faith and say, Jesus, you're my guy. Like, you're my Lord. You're my king. I believe in you. You're the, you're the redeemer and rescuer of my soul. Like that, that's, a, that's a condition. But in the modern world, we don't like exclusivity. We don't like that. We want there to be many ways. We want there to be many doors. And in <laughs> one way, I got to admit, like, Christianity is... is it's very exclusive because it's for those who believe in Jesus. Like, it's plain and simple. Like, you're either a Christian or you're not. Like, standing before the throne of God, there's not going to be gray area. Like, well, like, it's going to be abundantly clear. You're in Christ to paradise in heaven forever. Or you're out of Christ to hell. I know we're not allowed to say hell in 2021, but there we go. It's true. You are either a Christian or not. You have either entered the door of faith through Jesus or you have not. The reason why I so freely and abundantly talk about hell often is because your, your eternity hinges on you mustering up, doing all these good works for Jesus and hoping it works out. No, it hinges on this. And walk through the door of faith in Jesus. Like he, he rigged it. How simple is that? Man. So you remember how Jesus pointed out those who don't enter through the door, like talking about thieves and, and robbers. And, and here's, here's how we might take this. Here's how our church people take this. They say, you know what? That's right, that's right. Those, there's some bad people out there. They don't get to come in, right? There's some thieves and robbers and you're, you're probably like picturing some different people in your mind maybe. And you see, if we're not careful, we'll assume that Jesus has a type of person that he doesn't save. We'll use language like they're just too far gone. We'll use language like, I don't know how they're gonna come back from that. And I believe God's word speaks to that very, very clearly tonight. So what I want you to do, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 23 with me. Luke chapter 23. In verse 32. Jesus is at the, the, the door in John 10 and he's saying, this, thieves and robbers, they're, they're going over the gate. They're not coming through the door. Verse 23, or sorry, Luke 23, 32 says this. Two others 
who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. This is the scene of the crucifixion where Jesus died for our sins. Verse 33, and, and when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's talking about all of the people there in that moment. And they cast lots to divide his garments, verse 35. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And then the soldiers get in on it. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. It was very sarcastic, by the way. And then verse 39, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. I'm just going to tell you, if you know anything about crucifixion, how did this guy have any energy to say anything? Like, what is he doing? Like, just, dude, get back to hanging, man. Like, you're going to die. Anyway, sorry. It just frustrates me. Like, what an idiot. Okay, sorry. I was supposed to say that word. Anyway, verse 40. <laughs> but the other, verse 40, but the other rebuked him, saying, this is the other criminal, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, this is Jesus, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. He's talking about the Sandals Resort on a beach. No, 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 no. Talking about heaven. That'd be nice too, but it ain't heaven, right? <laughs> this, this guy, this criminal, who rebuked the other for chastising Jesus, obviously had a lifetime of probably terrible decisions. And he decides as he's hanging on the cross next to Jesus, he decides to make a profession of faith in Christ in his dying moments. Despite all that he had done, ever do, like he would never do anything productive for Jesus, honestly, except be in this story <laughs> as an object lesson. That's it. <laughs> and what did Jesus say? It's like, yeah, I'm gonna remember you. He said, you're, let's read it again. He's done nothing wrong. He acknowledged Jesus has no sin. And when he asked, do you not fear God? He was recognizing this is God in flesh in our presence. This is the great I am. This is the bread of life. This is the light of the world. This is the door. And in that moment, essentially what he said is, Jesus, I'd love to go through your door. Will you remember me? Is there any hope? Is there any chance that, that I can, is there any, you know, he, he, it's like he probably couldn't even finish his sentence. And Jesus says, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What type of person was that man? Mark chapter 15, 27 tells us that those two men on the cross were robbers. They were robbers. So if we read in John 10, Jesus is saying, no, thieves and robbers can never get in. No, no, no. Jesus is willing to call out the sin. In 
and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> this robber felt called out. He's standing, hanging <laughs> next to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and he realizes it. The same type of character, the same type of person that Jesus described stealing and killing and destroying. Jesus already, to everyone in that crowd, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Spend a lifetime destroying. You know, robbers are not like thieves. They're not stealthy. They come in with weapons to bludgeon and kill to get what they want. Who knows what this man had done? And because he turned to Jesus and entered that door, he didn't clean himself up. He didn't have any time to live a good enough life for a few years before he came to Jesus. Hey, I haven't robbed anybody in three years. No, I mean, he was hanging from that cross. You know, there was a religious leader who maybe would have heard about Jesus teaching this. His name was Saul. Saul would have definitely fallen into that category of a thief and a robber. And especially in the early church, he, it says the word that he ravaged the church. Like, guys, if you ever have meet someone that the word ravage is associated with, like run, all right, you run, go grab a gun, something like you go hide, lock the door, right? I don't know, like you get out of there. You don't wanna be friends with that person. He was ravaging the church is what the text says. He was a wolf who loved to eat and devour the sheep. What's funny is him like the other religious leaders in chapter nine of, of, of John chapter nine, they, they didn't get it. They saw this blind man and Jesus gave him sight. But even if that blind man would have stayed blind, he would have seen Jesus more clearly than any of them. He would see Jesus more clearly than any of them. And so I wonder, I just wonder, that's why on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to Saul and what did he do? He blinded the snot out of him. Couldn't see. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it was in that space where Saul couldn't physically see, but yet he saw Jesus for who he is for the first time. And you know what he did? He went from a murderer to a martyr the worst type of person you could imagine to someone who arguably could have been and is the best missionary shepherd to God's flock, to God's church that's ever lived in the history of humanity. And so what, I'm, what I wanna bring to you tonight is there, there are three different types of people in the room. There's probably more, but let's pretend there's three, all right? There are those of you who love this sense of exclusivity of this Christianity. You feel really good about yourself for coming to church. You feel really good about yourself for being a religious person. And you wanna keep all the bad people unlike you because you're a good person. You wanna keep them out. There's another type of person that they know how bad they are like they they feel like yeah everything or every person that's been in my life yep stolen st destroyed like I have been a tornado of destruction through my life and everything that I've ever done has is just burning to ashes I have no hope I ruin everything and there's some of you in the room that are as messed up as me and you're both of those people <laughs> you can be so easy to judge and want the bad people to get out but you also don't want anyone else to be happy either and so you're just you're just miserable all the time. And it's because you don't know the grace of Jesus. You know another type of Jesus, but you don't know the exclusive Jesus who says to anyone, if you knock on my door in faith, I will bring you in. I will let you enter.
you're on the outside, you're on the outskirts and you're just, you're just stuck in a rut. You're not making a decision. There's the door. Quit standing on the curb and come to the door and be amazed and surprised by who answers it. From adulterers to addicts, from gossipers to cowards, from murderers to just flat out mean people. those who have tried every other door and can't find what they're looking for. Perfect time. That was awesome. <laughs> Jesus says, that was a knock, right? It was a tin door. <laughs> Wrap it up, Cole. Let's go. Jesus says to you, knock and I will open my door to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we're grateful that you have made it so simple in Jesus. You have not given us multiple <laughs> doors and like said, good luck. You've said, there's one. I'm praying for the hearts and minds and students, people in this room, God, if they have not entered the door, would you lead them through it? <laughs> you may have to grab them by the hand and <laughs> point them all the way to the door, walk them through. We're, we're feeble. <laughs> we're prone to wonder. Oh God, but you love us so much. I thank you that there's no one in this room, there's no one in the world <laughs> who's too far gone, who is outside the reach of your amazing grace and mercy. And it's to you, great God, wonderful God, amazing God of grace and mercy that we sing to and respond to now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.